Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. everyone welcome to another episode of leaving a legacy my name is patrick i am your legacy newbie with me this week is not jerry uh we actually recorded our original episode last night uh but jerry's audio sadly was lost to the uh in, in the ether of the electronic world um i don't know gerblins took it or something uh but we had a great episode with adam wallace we will have him on again soon a uh, local main player elves aficionado uh but we'll have him on again we talked a lot about GP Richmond last night, so I think we'll do that again tonight. But uh, we have a, a knight in shining armor, so to speak, uh, a, a fellow podcaster, uh, magic grinder, Spencer Howland's on the line. What's up, Spencer? Hey, how's it going? I have a question. Yeah. How, when you've been recording a Magic the Gathering podcast about Legacy for almost four years, can you really still call yourself a newbie? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's come up a few times. I, I, I will tell you, my approach to magic has always been that of uh, trying to get better and trying to learn. My, my approach in life is really always trying to learn something new. This is going to sound strange, but I pride myself on having uh, very little ego when it comes to things. Um, so I, I never have an issue asking, asking questions or, or saying something stupid and having to rescind it later on. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess the, the, the argument can be made that I'm not quite a newbie anymore. But I always take that role in the You podcast. can always be bad at Legacy, Patrick, but you're definitely not oh. a newbie anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm most certainly bad. There's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, we have a really uh, cool episode, I think, in store for you guys tonight. It's going to be a little shorter uh, because, unfortunately, you know, we, we recorded a day later than we normally do. And then we're having to re-record tonight. We're giving our editor, Justin, uh, a very little time for an episode turnaround. So we're going to try to keep it fairly brief, but we wanted to have something out there for you guys. And, Spencer, I can't thank you enough for... For jumping in and uh, and helping us out, man. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. All right. Well, you are the co-host of uh, one of the first podcasts I ever actually got to listen to. I think it was uh, in the order of Magic the Amateuring, the Spike Feed, and then Constructed Criticism. Well. Were the three three podcasts that I first started listening to way back in 2014 when I got back into Magic. Those three make a lot of sense. Uh, as I, I mean, I know that Spike Feed and I came out within like a day of each other, so mm-hmm. that one, yeah, that, ma- that one makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing, and, and you guys are still going strong, right? Yeah, both of us. Both, I mean, all three of those podcasts are still going. Yeah. Um, we are recording episode uh, two forty five tonight. Um, it's amazing with me and with me and Michael. We we miss a lot more episodes than other podcasts. We still are like a weekly podcast, but mm-hmm. due to the fact that you know we've got some some you know Michael who has to go to Grand Prix and and Matt who goes to a lot of Grand Prix. We try to record on Mondays, and you know sometimes we just have to miss a week here or there. But yeah, yeah. it's been a really fun ride. Um, hopefully, I have a really special announcement coming soon, soon about that one. But um, so you know, mini announcement of an announcement. <laughs> awesome! And uh, just for our listeners who might not know about constructive criticism, can you tell me a little bit about the show? Kind of what your your ethos is, so to speak. Yeah. So constructive criticism is a podcast about constructive magic. Uh, we foc- uh, with a focus on getting better. So every week we talk about one of the three major constructed formats, whether it's standard, modern, or legacy. 
um, and then we focus on understanding the decks and like the top five decks in a given format. Uh, what you should be prepared for, what you, how those kind of how, how their matchups break down typically. Uh, luckily, we have Matt who gets to play a lot of vintage and legacy to kind of keep us on our toes on those formats. And then Michael and I are obviously grinders. Uh, you can play the other formats. And then every week we do a training grounds. Uh, we talk about something that's going to make you better at Magic or Life in general. The motto of the podcast is always improving. We believe if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And we want to be doing what we can all the time to help ourselves improve and in doing so hopefully help the listeners a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, what you know, you guys definitely have a very professional podcast. I feel like uh, it's it's well scripted. You guys stay on topic. Uh, I think you do a lot of research for your podcast. So if you're looking to get better at Magic um, and you play formats other than just Legacy, like, I mean, if you play only Legacy, you guys do, like, straight-up Legacy episodes, and they're fantastic. So if you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. You can find them uh, construct- constructedcriticism.com, correct? Yeah, yep, absolutely. And we, I do try, when it's, like, Modern Week or Legacy Week, to actually put that in the title so that people who only want to listen to that content can. Um, so... Yeah, awesome. Well, and and so first of all, I want to say thank you because uh, that is a podcast that was uh, very important when I first when I first came back to Magic after a long hiatus. I took you know people who listen to the show know, but you know I played uh, way back in the day Tempest and and uh, and the Urza's blocks, and then got out right around two thousand and three when I graduated high school, and didn't get back until twenty fourteen. Um, so I took a long, long hiatus and got back into it. I've been playing since then, but. Uh, yeah, your your podcast was one of the first that uh, I got to listen to and find out. Kind of like the game had changed so much from playing in on the kitchen tables or literally on like the floors of my high school with my buddies um, to what it was when I came back in 2014. So uh, podcasts and first of all, learning that a podcast was even a thing, and then uh, finding out that there was people talking about magic on it was pretty amazing. So thank you for that, and uh, and it's great that you guys are sticking it out and you guys are producing awesome content every week for people. Yeah, I. You know, just kind of to, to throw stuff out there, we also do stream Legacy. So the Trophy Mages is a stream that I'm on. Uh, we Right now it's on uh, Mason Clark streams on Sunday, Monday, and I stream on Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and we, we uh, you know, Mason's been streaming a ton of uh, blue-black uh, Death Shadow as he's prepared for GP Richmond. So if you're looking for Legacy content, you know, check check out uh, our, our YouTube channel to look at the VODs, so. Awesome, yeah, and we'll uh, I'll drop those links in the show notes so you guys can find them easily, and uh, yeah, give them a couple clicks and, and check out what they're all about. Um, all right, well, let's move on. We have uh, let's see, you you have quite like the uh, background in, in Magic. I know you've been on the Pro Tour a few times, and just just once. I've well-known... only been on the Pro Tour once. Okay, you're a well-known grinder out in uh, in Salt Lake City area, correct? Yeah, I. So you well, want to tell, well tell a little bit about your background? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, so I, like most people, I played Magic as a small child, uh, kind of left the game because, you know, I grew up for some reason, uh, came back, uh, played some FNMs, really fell in love with the game, uh, and then I started grinding PTQs. Uh, look, I uh, got lucky enough to qualify for a Pro Tour once, and uh, have surrounded myself with all of my friends have qualified for Pro Tours now, and, you know, we just are constantly trying to get better and, and go back to the Pro Tour again and again, and um, luck, unfortunately for me, right after I qualified for the Pro Tour, my wife got pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, or fortunately, unfortunate, but I mean, <laughs> also fortunately. So uh, yeah. there, there's just not enough hours for me to like kind of stay on the grind the way that my friends do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, luckily I surround myself with people that um, get to go to the pro tour a lot, and it's really fun. Um, you know, my, my focus in Magic right now is is really in content creation, uh, mm-hmm. but the grinding aspect is still really fun. Outside of the PPTQ scene, which I kind of hate, like going to Grand Prix is like the highlight of. Of magic for me uh the, yeah I, I was talking about it at 
uh, day two of the last uh, modern Grand Prix in Vegas, like playing a professional REL is like the most fun you can have in Magic. It's 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 not really particularly close for me. Like yeah, you know whether it's day two of a Grand Prix or a Pro Tour, it's just you're you you are playing for something with yep. other people who care a lot, yep. um, and who hold you to high standards, just like you want to hold them to. And I yeah. don't think there's anything more fun in Magic. Yeah, see, like I I I empathize. I feel so much this a very same way about that. Like I have a background in playing a lot of sports and that was always my favorite time to play was like uh in college and even in high school when like teams were super focused and you were playing against opponents who 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 were also very focused. And one of the things I didn't like about playing semi-pro football was that it was more of a joke. Like people didn't prepare. They weren't they didn't care as much and yeah. that's why I stopped doing it even though we were very successful and I had a lot of accolades personally. It just didn't do it for me because I didn't feel like I was competing at my best and I wasn't competing against people who were also competing at their, at their best. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I feel the same way. Like I, I enjoy F and M's and all that stuff and that's all fun. But like when I get to day two in SCG or when I get to day two a grand prix, um, that's the best, that's the most fun magic I get to play for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But other than that, like, uh, when the podcast started, I was, I was grinding every format, right? Like it was, I was playing vintage. I was playing popper. Mm-hmm. I was playing modern. I was playing, Right now, it's just kind of focused on whatever my next tournament is. Um, so right now, it's uh, I'm playing a lot of I'm playing in Grand Prix Detroit. So I'm just playing a lot of modern infect to try and tune that deck to be one of the decks we take as a team to uh, that that Grand Prix. Um, mm-hmm. But I have friends going to Richmond, so I know what they're playing, and I'm happy to kind of talk about Legacy today. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, let's get right into it. Um, so. Uh, we have obviously GB Richard coming up this weekend, um, which is going to be really exciting. One thing I wanted to talk about real quickly before we got into it was uh, uh, the Legacy Challenge, the latest results there, where we saw Reed Duke take it down uh, with a Grixis control list. Um, and since he's going to be on camera all day in Richmond, I expect we'll see this 7 0 list uh, pop up for sure. Um, did you have any thoughts on this list? I mean, I really like the Baleful Strixes here, that's one of my favorite cards in Legacy. Uh, a card that I, I don't get to play very often, but I really like it. Yeah, so Legacy is one of my favorite formats. Uh, I uh, have never not cashed a Legacy Open that I've attended. Um, it's it's one of my... <laughs> I just love it. Uh, most <laughs> of those were with actually Merfolk before the mm-hmm. format changed, though. Um, but I did I did top 16 and, and would have... would ha- I won uh, uh, my match, but I realized I would have taken ninth, so I drew with my opponent um, into top 16 with uh, Shardless Bug, and I actually haven't played a non-Deathrite Shaman deck since. <laughs> 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 and uh, so for me, uh, you know, this these Grixis control decks are kind of right up my alley. I actually mm-hmm. think the most, thing about, the most interesting thing about uh, Reed's list is the 1-1 split between Inquisition and Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that playing a him to Turok deck with Baleful Strix and Snapcaster Mage is, you know, kind of right where Reed wants to be. But I would mm-hmm. be curious to get his opinion. If you like, kind of look at the five O list and some of the lists that did well at team opens and at uh, classics. Like, I think the, I looked at five lists. I'm just going to pull up a couple right now. Sure, uh, yeah. And most of most of them, I believe, were all on no. Yeah, this one has no inquisitions. This one has no inquisitions. Two thought seizes. This one has two thought seizes. This one has two thought seizes. Yeah. So. He is, in fact, the only one doing that, and he's also playing three Jace the Mind Sculptor, which yeah. is not something the other lists are doing. Most of them are on. It two. seems like a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I is he playing four or four of those? I didn't look. Yeah, he is. Okay. Uh, yes. 
So I would assume that part of it is he wants to not have to pitch. Like, he, he feels like he can pitch an extra Jace the Force of Will when he needs mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my thought, is that he wants to not, cons- like, he wants to be able to cast Force of Will without losing Jace. And by playing extra Jaces, he doesn't feel that burden as much. Yeah, I think I, I I think a lot of the other controllists that I've seen lately are playing fewer hymns in the main. They're kind of relegating those to the sideboard, and they're playing more proactive um, hand disruption in the main board. So I think the last deck I was looking at was like had some split of of like four total like between Inquisition and Thoughtseize. Um, so I'll be interested to see if that if if he doesn't in fact play Grixis Control in Richmond, if he's going to move him to the sideboard because it's it's just a little bit slower. You don't have the mana acceleration that um, that uh, Deathrite Shaman offers. Um, sometimes, like the turn one Thoughties or the turn one Inquisition, is just a very good play versus waiting till turn two to tap out and play play him. What do you, how do you feel about that? I I actually haven't seen that. I, I have I haven't seen a list that doesn't that doesn't play him in the main. Um, mm-hmm. So are, are you seeing these outside of the five O's? Where are you seeing that? Yeah, I think I I'm trying to think of when the last time I saw it was. We were talking about it the other day. It may have been an older deck uh, oh, okay. for, over the past few weeks. Yeah, I'm, one I'm of the be... one of the cool things about Legacy is that you get really paid off for those kind of decisions. So mm. I if my my thoughts on what Reed is doing is that he is is trying to find room for ways to. Uh, to bury his opponent, right? By playing mm-hmm. extra Jace the Mind Sculptor, by making sure you play him to the main. Uh, he isn't played the fourth Snapcaster Mage, which it looks like two of these lists were doing. Um, means that that's just another reason that he's, he's that that Jace the Mind Sculptor is kind of taking that spot. Mm-hmm. It does look interesting, though, because he actually only has two one-mana discard spells in his entire 75. Right. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, like, you know, I expect that... The meta of Richmond is going to be a lot different than the meta of Magic Online. Uh, those are usually uh, in stark contrast to one another. But it'll be interesting to see how he how he uh, changes up this uh, this main deck for the for the actual tournament in uh, Richmond. Yeah, i i would I would not be also I would not be surprised if we didn't play Grixis. Uh, mm. you, he was he was the legacy state of the Pro Tour. Do you know what he was playing? Well, I I can talk about. Uh, more than just Grixis, yeah, while you're looking it yeah, up, please. If like. Yeah, go ahead. So one of the one of the decks that did well on uh, on the, on the Lazy Challenge Switch was also Death and Taxes. Um, mm-hmm. This is this deck uh, is something that we talked about a lot right after the Pro Tour happened, um, because we got to see Recruiter of the Guard, I believe it is. So one of the things that did well um, this weekend was the oh, Death and Taxes list, but that that list isn't playing. Any palace jailer is palace jailer not available mm-hmm. on moto? Uh, that's a good question. I think it is, but I, I man, I don't play enough death and taxes or against it that often to speak to that. Yeah, I'm one of the things sure. that my, most of my friends think is that death and taxes is actually the best deck in legacy. Mm. It's just like so freaking hard to play. Yeah, uh, you know, extremely optimally that most people choose not to do it. And the fact that this person is playing, you know, Restoration Angel and is not playing Palace Jailer is actually super interesting to me. I mm. wonder if that's something that people will more likely adjust their list for the online metagame or if they'll look at the list from the Pro Tour. But Palace Jailer was one that really, really, really impressed me at the Pro Tour. Yeah. Um, and just uh, real quickly, Reed Duke was on Grixis Control at the Pro Tour. And this list looks exactly the same except for uh, he was running two Thoughtseize here. And in the uh, in the uh, uh, challenge, he uh, like we said, he had split between an Inquisition and a Thoughtseize. Yeah, but it I, looks like almost the exact same, at least the exact sixty 
with the exception of that one card. I would be very interested to ask him why he wants Inquisition instead of Athasis in this deck specifically. I don't, I don't know if you have problem cards that are that cheap that it's worth the life. That's the life like matters. I would. Yeah. I mean, maybe he expects. I don't know. Maybe he expects more Stoneforge Mystic. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, perhaps. I mean, what like what a what car- meaningful cards you, are you going to grab with a Inquisition that you can't grab with a Thoughtseize, or vice versa, rather? Well, I think it's about. I don't. I, I think they'll grab the same type of cards, right? It's about whether or not you want the life to matter or not. Sure. So, uh, I guess burn. I guess burn's more popular on Moto. I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I, certainly, maybe he was expecting a lot more of the uh, of the the Death Shadow deck, perhaps. Oh, you know um, what though. There is there is a lot of the blue red delver is also more popular on moto right. Uh, it is, but I think it's not. I don't think it's got as much oomph right now as it did before the the pro ban. To be honest with you, um, because okay, I love fair. I love blue red delver. That is my that is my favorite I'm, deck to play. I'm digging here, man. I'm trying to figure out why he's playing. <laughs> well, you know, it's something I I will happily send him a message and see if he uh, answers us because. Uh, yeah, that is, a, that is an interesting question. It could come down to maybe he just didn't have another thought season <laughs> on his Moto account. Who knows? But, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, th- it's it's funny. Those those little card changes, those little choices can strike up such a conversation. Um, and it's it's a really interesting to hear people's reasonings for, for changing out those cards. So. Oh, man. I didn't even notice that you called me a rug aficionado in the show notes. and we didn't. Even yeah, well, I mean, it. I remember you talking about uh, Rug Delver quite a bit. You are a huge rug fan, right? Uh, actually, <laughs> am I wrong? Am I wrong? Did so, I just remember that? Oh man, this is a fun story. Uh, so I went on an episode of the of Monday Night Magic, mm-hmm. and I said that Nimble Mongoose was an unplayable Magic card, <laughs> and that people should not be playing it, and that the second that anybody found a replacement for it, Rug Delver would stop seeing play. And nobody, everybody told me I was the dumbest idiot in the entire world, and that it was like the best card in the deck. And then the second Deathrite Shaman is printed, people stop playing Nimble Mongoose, and nobody listens to me. Man, I, I, I don't know why I thought you were. You did play Rug though, right? Like, didn't you play that deck? I, I mean, I've, I, I've played a lot of Rug Delver, but I, I mean, that's not the Rug that I'm in love with. I mean, I'm like, gotcha. I qualified for the Pro Tour with Savage Knuckleblade. Oh, okay. All right, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I just. It's actually funny. My, people my all me. messaged me about Rug Delver and how it was going to make a comeback, and Nimble Mongoose was so good during the bannings, and I was like, "No, it won't." Like, yeah, the I, cards. I, the cards are not good. Uh, like a week before, a week before the latest banning announcement, uh, right before uh, uh, Probe and Deathrite got banned, I did go out and buy, I bought three Trops because I figured that if Pro if, if Deathrite got banned, Rug might be the next best Delver deck. Uh, but I was still a little iffy on that, and I don't think that's quite panned out. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm certainly not upset about buying three trops, um, but I I don't think that rug is nearly as as strong as I hoped it would be. I'm actually working on uh, a different blue red shell currently that's not based around the prowess mechanic. So yeah, um, if they hadn't banned Gataxian probe, I actually think that it could be rug. The problem is hmm. is, and I actually wanted to talk about this on this podcast. I forgot to tell you, um, is just how much better Gurmag Angler is than Tarmogoyf. Mm. Like. It actually makes the your want to play green significantly decrease. Yeah. Like because you can dive into black for, uh, you know, th- things like Gurmag Angler. It makes it it makes it really hard to say that the correct thing to do is play rug. Yeah, and honestly, so that's that's a really good point, and that's something that I've brought up on the podcast before. Like 
green is not a color like unless I'm going all in like elves, green is not a color that I want to make up like a a percentage of my mana base because the cards you have access to in black are so much better and they're more proactive cards like we've been talking about cards like Inquisition of Kozlek, cards like Thoughtseize, cards like Him to Torak that are excellent against combo decks, excellent against um against uh, you know well Sneak a Show, Storm, things like that. They're really really good against those decks. Um, they uh. The, just the cards you get in green are not going to disrupt those plans. And you also have access to a card like Diabolic Edict, which right now I think is at a high point in its relevancy, uh, just because we have so many Merit Lages running around, um, and we have a large amount of uh, of uh, True Name Nemesis running around as well. So I think the stock on, on uh, Diabolic Edict has gone up, and green is just not giving you answers to cards, uh, to those real problem cards in those matchups. Um, I just I think the stock on things like Stifle have gone down, I think two mana cards are significantly better now than they were uh, before the before the uh, the death right ban. So, but yeah, I agree. I think Tarmogoyf just isn't nearly as alluring as it once was. And I mean, you also think about like Stifle in that regard. I, I'm friends with Jonathan. Like, jo- I literally was in the car with Jonathan Job this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the SCG Dallas Open that they won. Um, and like, I mean that that list isn't like the Death Shadow list is a Delver deck. Like mm-hmm. it really is. It plays like a Delver deck, and it doesn't play Stifle. And like, right. if if Delver decks aren't playing Stifle, I don't I don't think there's really a reason to think that Rug is very good. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I I put Rug together right away. Like I said, after the after the ban, um, I played it on Moto a few times, and I mean, never really having played a, a Stifle a Stifle Wasteland deck, it was a little bit foreign to me. Um, but I still felt like the power level wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. Um, I always felt like I wanted more true names, and I wanted fewer Gurma, uh, fewer uh, Tarmogoyfs. And that just put me in a really awkward position in a, in a deck that's trying to run off a of one and two mana most of the time. So, um, yeah, I think I think Tarmogoyf may be less relevant now than it ever has been in Legacy. Um, but uh, but I guess we'll see. You know, we have Richmond coming up. We'll see if uh, people are going to force some people just are going to force that rug <laughs> that rug train to go and on. Will, so, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's a Grand Prix. Like it 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 will definitely happen. Especially yeah. like people who really enjoy the deck. Mm-hmm. The deck's not. One of the cool things about Legacy is that you can win, like, it's actually the thing that people think is true of Modern, which isn't mm-hmm. true, uh, which is that you actually can win with a deck that you know really well, and mm-hmm. the the card, the power level is so high of cards, which is why Nimble Mongoose is so bad, uh, that, you know, you, you can win with the things that you love in this format, as yeah. long as you understand your matchups. Yeah, that is so well said. One of my, that's one of my favorite reasons, or favorite things behind Legacy is that, like, like I said, Blue Red Delver, which is one of the first decks I ever built for Legacy after I had piloted Burn. Um, I fell in love with that deck so hard, and it's not like it's not a great deck, right? It's not like a super high power level, but it can get there sometimes. And like I said, I, I day two'd Vegas, I day two'd the last couple of opens that have come up here from SEG. Um, I saw you at that Vegas tournament. Yeah, did you? Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you scooping a kid. At his first GP, and he was so excited. I think you actually scooped him in the day two, and you were like, "I just want to go be a degenerate gambler with my friends. I'm going to scoop you in." And I, I just happened to like witness it. You didn't know I was there. I was just being kind of a creep watching your match, and I was like, "Man, that is exactly the kind of person that I expected you to be." And it was really great to see it pay off. He was he was like so nervous, yeah, down for that yeah. Grand Prix. Like he's like, "Oh man, I've never made day two before," and like, and I, it was when X three made day two. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my goal is definitely not to make day two at X three at a Grand Prix. Right. And it was like, okay, well, like, okay, go go have fun at day two, man. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, and uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed playing uh, playing prowess in Vegas. I just enjoyed that Grand Prix uh, altogether. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Is any, so, I'm, is there any other decks that you like 
really liked from this uh, challenge, just out of curiosity? Um, let me go down it real quick because I didn't really take a huge look at it. So I know that death and taxes, that again, like we said, that's on a lot of people's radar right now. Um, a lot of these were pretty much uh, like pretty stock lists. We've seen Eldrazi Post make its way around, and obviously Death Shadow did well. The Pro Tour um, Storm has been a, a player. I was expe- I was surprised to see a pair of Landex just uh, barely make the top, or you know, just just outside of top eight. Um, but there wasn't anything here that would really surprise me. Um, we've seen a, a little bit of resurgence in Stoneblade. I mean, right now, like I truly feel like Legacy is in such a great place. Like we see such a good diversity in these top, you know, these these I guess uh, down to three and four in this list. Um, just a really great diversity here. A lot of a lot of different decks, um, but there wasn't anything that really stuck out uh, that I remembered. What's this blacklist? Oh, this is just. Oh, it's not black. This is just an Eldrazi deck. I think they just have black for the dismembers. Yeah, that must be it. Um, black for the dismembers. Yeah, I, I think I do think that um, <laughs> I do think that Eldrazi. Uh, is is probably the premier chalice deck right now, and actually we could probably get into this now. Sort of what we expect to see at Richmond. So I had like my my like top five decks um, that I expected to see, and Eldrazi was uh, in my top five. I think we're going to see a lot of that right now. I think if people are really focusing on uh, if there's going to be a lot of storm, if there's going to be a lot of blue black shadow, uh, even death and taxes, I think Eldrazi has a pretty good matchups against those decks. Um, chalice for one is just a very very strong play right now, and when you can back that up with a turn two Thought Not Seer and a turn three uh, Reality Smasher. Um, you can really uh, put a dent in a, in a tournament that way. So I think Eldrazi is going to be one of the break. Not I wouldn't call it a breakout deck, but I think it's going to continue to see a lot of play and do well. Um, I also think I think we'll see a lot of Death and Taxes. I think that deck is one of the decks that because there are no reserve list cards on it, it's pretty affordable and it's also just I think it's pretty good in this meta right now. Um, I think that Blue Black Shadow coming off its success of the Pro Tour, we'll see that as well. And Storm, like I'm pretty sure Bryant Cook's gonna be down there, so you'll ex- probably expect to see Storm in the top eight somewhere, or at least top sixteen, because uh, that kid's always crushing with with uh, with TES. So we'll see we'll see Storm out there as well. But um, what what do you expect to see at at uh, at Richmond? I think that the num- the 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 two biggest stacks will easily be Gurkha's Control and Blue Black Death Shadow. Mm-hmm. I think Blue Black Death Shadow uh, is something that people just probably had a lot of their modern cards for that uh, they were like. Oh, sick. Like, I own most of these cards from Modern. I'm just gonna, you know... <laughs> I I think a lot of people... You'll see a lot of... You'll see a lot of this deck with one Underground C. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm saying. <laughs> I think well, part of the allure of... of <laughs> I think... And someone said this on the... I think it was Ian said it on one of our most recent podcasts. was like... It, or maybe it was on... Maybe it was on his podcast. I can't remember. I listen to a lot of... I listen to a lot of content, but... He had said, uh, you know, I think that Blue Black Death Shadow is the one deck in Legacy right now that you can play with Shocklands and not be laughed out of the building. And, like, I don't always typically buy that, like, you know, you don't need the elitist view of always playing actual real duels. But it, I think that it certainly is, uh, uh, you know, part of, the, part of the equation here is that you can play with uh, maybe just one Underground C uh, and, not, and have, like, a real competitive good deck to play in a Legacy event. Yeah, uh, Mason Clark has been streaming... Uh, Blue Black Death Shadow for Trophy Mages. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, preparing... This is that he's playing a GP Richmond. I don't... I think that a lot of people will pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think that there are a few decks that always seem to be far more popular at Grand Prix than they are at other tournaments. Mm-hmm. Sneak and Show is one of them. I think you'll see a ton of Sneak and Show no matter what. I, th- I think that... Um, like you said, Storm is another one. You'll see a lot of Storm. Um, and then outside of that, I think it's going to be Grixis Control, Grixis Delver, Eldrazi Stompy... 
and probably miracles. I don't yeah. actually think we'll see that much death and taxes. I think death and taxes is uh, sorry, I got the hiccups. <laughs> uh, fun fact: I can stop the hiccups whenever I want. And I, <laughs> okay, we're good. Um, Death and Taxes is like an extremely hard deck to play, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of people know that, and they actually choose not to play it because mm. it's it's super super tough. Um, I'm, I I I think that's about it. I I don't really expect too much out of the norm. I think that we'll see a land deck do well because I think the deck's kind of insane. Um, yeah, I, I feel like lands is is a lot like um, Death hey, and Taxes in that sense. Orcum? Like it has a oh, it's still a deck. What is it? Oh, okay, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I think lands is one of those decks. is is It's a lot like Death and Taxes in that it has a very low floor, but a pretty high ceiling. If you're very experienced with the deck, if you want to get the reps in with the deck and you really know the deck, um, you can do very well with it. Jody Keith is an, is an example of someone who like just plays a lot of lands and is ex- excellent with the deck and can top eight pretty much any tour or you know top sixteen have a have a good showing at pretty much any tournament he gets into lands with. Which does four color loam cost? I might like stream this. I like four color loam. I'm not sure actually. I I. It's oh, it's just like a real casual seven thousand in paper. Okay, um, <laughs> but uh, this is another deck that might do well. I actually think that Punishing Fire might be at an all time high right now. So mm-hmm. both lands and four color loam could be. In fact, I actually think Chalice the Void is really good right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I, that's what I was saying. Maybe, I think the maybe four color loam is like good. actually like a sweetness right now. See, like you say that, but then I still think that if I'm if I'm going to take four color loam or Eldrazi Stompy. At a Grand Prix, I think I want to play Eldrazi Stompy. So this is a hot debated topic on constructed criticism <laughs> because uh, both myself and Silver, uh, our, my co-host Silver Pro Michael Handrocker think that basically all the Eldrazi decks in both Modern and Legacy are kind of crap. Like, hmm. like, like the thing is, is they almost entirely are relying on Chalice of the Void. And while Four Color Loam is also a Chalice of the Void deck, like you have really good cards right like mm-hmm. every card in your deck is good you have scavenging use you have knight of the reliquary you have liliana of the veil you have green sun zenith you can have a life from the lone punishing fire package like yep. the deck is just full of good magic cards mm-hmm. whereas like if you look at Eldrazi stompy you're just i don't know like stompy decks throughout history have just kind of been bad mm-hmm. like they're fine in legacy and like i remember one time we were in an scg in las vegas and I was watching Alex Sittner, one of my teammates, in a feature match, and somebody cast a steel Hellkite against him. I was like, "Oh my, <laughs> you're dead! <laughs> like, you're not, you're not winning this game." Right. And sure right. enough, he definitely <laughs> lost. But like, sure, like when somebody resolves an Endbringer against you, you're probably gonna lose. Yeah, like, that's fair. Like that's gonna happen. But I, I just think the deck is kind of clunky and bad. Like I, I'll just. Yeah, I mean, I think so. One thing I will say on the contrary to that is that I think Walking Ballista is the truth. I think that that's Walking true, so but it doesn't the, play that many. Well, the, the the decks that I've seen recently um, are actually up to four now. Four Walking Ballista. Um, they're playing fewer. They're they're cutting the the at one or two jits in the main. So one of the issues that I had with Eldrazi's time because I played it when it uh, when it was top six. It was top aided by. Who was it? Uh, I can't remember his name, but it was at GP Columbus back in 2016, uh, and I put the deck together, and I wish I could remember the guy's name, um, but it was kind of like the, one of the breakout decks that tournament, that GP, and I put it together, and one of the things I didn't like about it was that um, a lot of time, not a lot of times, but there, some number of times you were top decking your JIT without, a, without something to equip it to, and that felt terrible. Um, that uh, a lot, so Occasionally, Delver would just eat your lunch, and there was nothing you could do about it. 
Um, even through like even through your chalices. This list is super interesting. Which list are you looking at right now? So it's a sorry. You can keep going. Yeah, yeah. So oh, so um, so one of the things that I love about Walking Ballista is that it does two things. It deals with the Delver matchups pretty pretty handily. Um, it being able to being able to minus one minus one creatures with Walking Ballista is a, is a huge deal. But it's also and this is something we brought up on one of the last podcasts was that it's also a mana sink when you need it. Um, one of the things that the Eldrazi deck can do is is get a get you a lot of mana but there's not always great ways to to use it like endbringer is an okay card sometimes you'd even see like oblivion sower but like those cards really aren't like oblivion sower is like not that good to be honest with you um but something like walking ballista that you can dump your mana into and then wipe your opponent's board or ping your opponent right in the face not even having to attack um is something that i think is the deck really needs um being able to cut cards like jit that are four mana you have oh to, like, man you just said why i like this list <laughs> <laughs> having to be able to cut jit like you know not having to use the the four mana to to ping a delver like not only do you have to equip it to a creature but the creature has to has to connect for you to even get any counters on it so it's very it's it's much faster uh in eliminating problem creatures than than uh the previous eldrazi stompy deck was yeah so the list i'm looking at right now is by feder rusher uh it's mm-hmm. four endless one three walking ballista four eldrazi mimic four matter reshaper Two Simeon Spirit Guide, four Thought Nasir, four Reality Smasher, three Warping Well, two Dismember, four Chalice of the Void, twenty six lands. Nothing really that special inside of mm-hmm. the lands. Um, but one of the things that I really like about this list is the extra Walking Ballista compared to other lists. Yeah, and the Warping Wells, and actually just what you said, the no, the uh, the no uh, Imazawa's Jete, because I also have found Imazawa's Jete to be like you don't actually really ever have time to equip that card. Mm-hmm. Um. And I also like the decrease in the number of Simeon Spirit Guides. I actually just really like this list for an Eldrazi Stompy list. This is something that if I was going to test this deck... I also like that there's no Endbringer in the main, and it's relegated to the sideboard. I think that yeah. fits really well. I, I like I like a lot of this. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Endbringer as a card, so yeah, for sure. Um, I I want to say, and I we just had a guest on, who we were talking about this Eldrazi deck with, um, with like running like three or four Walking Ballista. It was like last week or the week before, and I can't remember his name, and I apologize. I'm trying to look up the episode. I can't find it. Um, I think it was actually episode 200, so it might have been our last episode, which is particularly embarrassing. Um, but we, this is one of the decks that we talked about um, that the, the, the guy was saying that he really liked running the four walking ballista. And that's what got me interested in the deck again, because I didn't like the previous version of the Eldrazi deck. It just felt like not running any blue cards, not being able to manipulate, manipulate the top of your deck, and relying on... The two dismembers and the two jittes for all of your removal just felt really bad. And also, like, the top end of your deck was was Endbringer, which was... It seems like a really good card, but I, I felt like it, it can underperform sometimes. Um, so <laughs> I mean, all of the Stompy deck start history have an Endbringer in them. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it, like, I just talked about Still Hellkite. It's just something that they do. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I like about this uh, Federusher list is just his how lean he is. Mm. Um... Yeah, I, I kind of like this. This yeah. might be something that convinces me that this deck isn't complete hog garbage. <laughs> I like it. So so I'm predicting we'll see a little bit more Eldrazi at the uh, at the tournament. I think like if there's enough Shadow running around, enough Death and Taxes, um, and enough Delver, I think that that Walking Bliss is going to do work. But we'll we will see. Um, let's get down to uh, I have one more question about Richmond. Well, I guess one more about decks at Richmond. Spencer, if you're going to GP Richmond and you can play any deck in Legacy, what are you bringing to the tournament? Uh, so I I don't we actually specifically don't do this segment on concern. <laughs> Fun fact. Fair. Um, fair. Uh, we've is we it is it because you don't want to tip your hand? Is that why? No, it's not that. It's just like because.
because we change our minds every 32 seconds mm-hmm. as, like, grinders. Because, like, we'll go play a league or two, and then it's like, throughout the course of the league, we hate the deck 17 times. Because, like, the truth is is that every deck in Magic is bad. Yeah. Like, because if it was good and it was broken, then the deck would get banned, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I haven't registered for a Legacy tournament without Baleful Strix in I don't even know how long. And I don't know... Like, I don't know that I would have enough time to change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if I did change that, I would probably like, register Four Color Loam. Um, like, like if I were to guess the deck that I would test first, it would probably be Four Color Loam uh, for the reasons that I already mentioned. I think Chalice of the Board might be pretty decent right now. And uh, the same thing I think is true of uh, Punishing Fire. So that, mm-hmm. that would be something that I'm willing to try out at least. Hmm. Also, come on. Everybody knows that you like the coolest thing you can do is like play Ma- Maze of Ith and in legacy like that's <laughs> just a good time i i think i think if i'm playing this tournament i would be so i would say i'd bring eldrazi and i'll tell you because uh at a long day one of a gp if i want to play something that's like fairly easy to play and uh i'm gonna be able to go to the bathroom and get snacks in between rounds i'm playing eldrazi but in my heart of hearts even though the deck isn't in a great position right now i think i'd still bring blue red delver because i love that deck so much I think the last the last uh, SCG Open that was in Worcester, I day two with it, and I think every round, certainly in Vegas, this happened. But I'm pretty sure at the SCG, every round I had at least twenty five minutes left in the round. Every round uh, to go get food, and I had a, a good enough uh, record to make day two. So it's not like I was losing in two games. Uh, it's it's just it. I love that deck so much. It, it brings me such joy to play. Um, sure. Running running the one of thunderous wrath and just getting someone with it feels so good. So. I had a feature match against Jonathan Koronaki when I was playing Merfolk, and he uh, he left up his um, he left up his Misty Rainforests throughout the entire game one. So I thought he was Rug Delver and mm-hmm. boarded accordingly. I think I like boarded in some merges or something. Mm-hmm. And game two, he like thunderous wrath me twice, and I was like, oh. <laughs> "Well, I I have lost this game." <laughs> Yeah, I, I still like I was talking to Jerry yesterday and one of the cards I want to find a place for because it seems so sweet is Bloodwater Entity, which is like a three mana two two flyer with prowess, but it also when it enters the battlefield you get to return a card from your graveyard to the top of your deck. And I wanna play that card with like some number of Thunderous Wraths in the deck, but I just can't bring myself to do it because it's not a very good card. Um but being able to play Thunderous Wrath against people is just it's so it's so fun. It's I'm so actually fun. I'm actually a little surprised. So before Deathrite Shaman was printed, one of the decks that like was kind of creeping up that did really well a lot of times was Bant Stoneblade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with like True Name Nemesis and uh, and Noble Hierarch. I'm a little surprised that that deck hasn't made a comeback yet. I know that Matt Kling, one of my co-hosts, really really likes the deck and has. Um, I wonder what he's been doing in Legacy lately. I could probably just look. Yeah, so uh, while you're talking about that, one of the things I will mention is that uh, two of our friends, locals, um, who also just started a podcast uh, called The Dead Format, they're both Bant Stoneblade aficionado, like oh, big Bant okay. Stoneblade fans and aficionados, and they, they are saying the same thing about that deck, that they think it's uh, pretty well positioned right now, and it might might be um, it's t- it's time to shine. I think there was even a few Bant decks. Oh, I see some Jeskai Stoneblade in the, uh, in the challenge. I don't know if there are any Bant decks here, but... Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that deck for sure. Well, I I do think that Bant Stoneblade is probably something that 
if if I had a ton of time to test, I would mm-hmm. probably just test the crap out of it. Yeah. I think that like having the mana advantage of Noble Hierarch is really, really powerful in the mm-hmm. Stoneblade Mirror. And I also think that like if you look at something like Grixis Control, if they if if you overload their fatal pushes and lightning bolts with Noble Hierarchs, it makes your Stoneforge Mystics really freaking good. Mm, and that's yeah. actually like one of the secret powers of a deck like Bant is that you, you like they only have so much one mana removal mm-hmm. and then they they just kind of lose. Right. Although Colgan's command is certainly nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think that's a good point. Um I'll be interested to see what, I mean I'm going to be laid up uh, this entire weekend, so I'll be able to watch a lot of coverage, which I'm really excited for, because I very, very rarely get to watch actual legacy coverage when it's live, or even afterwards, just because I'm always so strapped for time. And you as a fellow MTG dad, I'm sure, can can empathize. Um, so I'm really excited to watch this tournament. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm excited. I, I know Jerry's going to be down there. A bunch of our locals will be down there uh, trying to grind out, um, some, some day two, uh, finishes. And I'd love to see some of our guys in the top eight as well. Who doesn't want to watch Reduke all day, right? Yeah, actually that's, so that's a good point. So let's, let's close it out on this and then we'll get out of here. Um, so channel fireball made the announcement, um, via Rich Hagon that, uh, Reduke will be playing in the legacy event. Um, he will be on camera for every round. And when I originally heard that, I thought actually what they meant was that he's going to be on camera as in doing coverage. And I was very excited for that because I love Reduke doing legacy coverage. Uh, and then someone told me that he's actually going to be playing in the event, and they're going to have him on camera every round. And then I was like a little bit, a little bit hesitant. I wasn't super happy with that because uh, I felt like you're losing a lot of the diversity of the format watching one deck all day. Um, but then it was, it was also I was also told that a lot of times he'll be like the time walk match, and to me that's great. I think that's like the perfect place that you want to be. So you not only do you have uh, an excellent legacy player, just an excellent player in general. You have someone who's very well liked, uh, has a has a great is a great magic personality as well, um, and then you get to follow him throughout the day, uh, catch all his matches. I think is really really great for both legacy and magic as a game, and uh, it's because Reduke is a likable guy. People who aren't into legacy can watch and root for one guy the entire the entire time, uh, learn one deck the whole day, which is really cool. You don't get always a chance to do that. And uh, yeah, I think I think people like to follow and and root for for someone. So I think it's really cool that they're gonna have that consistency throughout the day. What do you think, Spencer? What are your thoughts there? Uh, I think that regardless of the deck that Reduke plays, no matter what it is, I don't. I literally don't care. Um, if you want to get better at Magic: The Gathering and want to learn a deck, this is the best thing that's ever happened in Grand Prix. <laughs> I, Strong words. I don't even care what he plays. I will probably watch the entire event to follow him turn by turn, yeah. and probably get a notebook out and take notes. Yeah, like th- this is, and there's the reason for this is important. So, like, obviously they put great players on match every single round, mm-hmm. every single Grand Prix. The difference here is you get to watch the progression of a player, and and like learn from them in the most probable. I mean. Let's be real. Like, the most important moment of Reduke's career. Reduke is one point behind in the player of the year race. He and Seth will both be at this tournament. And if 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 Reduke top eights and Seth doesn't, he will win player of the year. Reduke mm. X5s and, and Seth doesn't make day two. Reduke will have to play Seth Manfield for player of the year. Like, this is this is a huge tournament for Reed. That's cool. Um, and I didn't realize there was another layer of the player of the year race. I wasn't aware of that. I actually don't know if they still do a playoff. I hope they do. <laughs> if they don't still do a playoff at, on a tie, I will lose my mind. But <laughs> it has to be one-on-one basketball. 
for the for the player of the year. You gotta do. Multi, I would take Reed on that against <laughs> Seth, but I don't know. Agreed. I, Seth's not very tall, right? Like I don't I, think so. Yeah, I. I, I don't I know if take... either of them are very tall. There's not a lot of like. I mean, Reed Duke's at least like five eleven. Yeah, he's probably he's probably got some beef. He's a, he's a main boy, right? Isn't he from like Maine or Vermont? Uh, I don't know. I know he's a jeweler. So. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Job. Uh, yeah, I was. I was. That that was one of those decisions where I was immediately. Uh, I misunderstood the original announcement that I wasn't super excited about it, and then uh, after talking to a couple of our friends, um, uh, one in particular, um, Zach Zach Turgan, uh, who is an excellent uh, mono red stompy player, um, really talked me off the ledge and told me how cool it'll be, and and I agree. I think it's gonna be great. Can't wait to watch him. I will probably do the same thing, Spencer. Take notes. I'll watch him. I I don't even care what deck it is. Like I'm so excited to like watch a player play one deck that much that that like. At the highest level, we talked about this earlier, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's great. I'm, I think it's great. I'm really excited for it. Um, I'm excited for the GP. I wish all of our locals good luck down there. Um, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, Spencer, um, we usually do scoops and poops every week. So we like to scoop people in the top eight, people that we want to shout out in the community or in our personal lives. And then if you have someone you want to poop on or something you want to poop on, a concept, you can also do that too. Do you have any scoops this week? Yeah, I just want to give a special shout-out to Mason Clark, who's uh, doing this Trophy Mages thing with me. It's super fun, super cool. Um, we do a deck tech at the beginning of every thing that we do. Uh, the goal the goal of Trophy Mages is not to, like, 5-0. Or, I mean, it's called the Trophy Mages, but you know, it's it's not really about getting trophies as much as it is, mm-hmm. like, learning a deck and trying to improve and match the othering. Um, and it's very different. I hope it's different than other people's streams. At the end of it, we talk about what we learned, the cards we would change, and why we would change them. Um, so super, super shout-out to him. Um, shout out to you for having me on. Uh, I it was it was fun. Um, I I don't get to talk about legacy as much as I like to. Um, and <laughs> now I'm probably going to stream legacy for like two weeks because you got me like all these decks. <laughs> so uh, look yeah. forward look forward to that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm going to scoop in. Uh, we have a couple new patrons. I want to scoop in uh, this week. Um, let me just pull up their names real quick because I just minimize that. So Rory Hanlon, Matthew Thomas, and our friend Thomas Smiley, local uh, local player and new podcaster thanks so much for joining the uh the patreon family we appreciate it you can join our discord uh the link is on the page uh if you can't find it shoot me a message but thank you so much for for supporting uh every dollar you guys uh you know donate to the cast we're able to put back into the in the production of the cast and and do cool things for you guys like shirts and whatnot play mats um so we, i really appreciate that also i want to scoop in mcg arena i love that client i have Dude, been having so much fun with best. that it's it's so good i got it might get you here. off of legacy that's how good it is <laughs> <laughs> Jerry and I went to Hascon uh, uh, back at like, last year, the year before. I think it was last year in the fall, and uh, we got a chance to play like the early, early edition of of Arena, and we loved it then. And I played it uh, when I first got the beta, and then put it down, and then I just picked it up again a week or two ago, and I have not stopped playing it since then. I love it; it's so much better than Moto. Um, if if Legacy ever gets on that client, I will literally not leave my house. It'll be terrible for my social life. But it'll be great for my magic playing life, so I, I really hope we see uh, we see Moto uh, we see Legacy on there soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it because um, I I play significantly more Magic now that I play mostly on Arena. Yeah, I, I mean I've so something I don't normally do is draft. I, it's not like my favorite format, um, but even drafting on there, which again is usually against bots and isn't always the like the, that's not always the best way to to practice if you're a competitive drafter. I'm still it. enjoying. I'm still just, enjoying doing that. Just so you know, that's. I don't think that's true. I did 
probably 30 or 40 drafts before my last Grand Prix almost exclusively on Arena. I don't even think I drafted really? on Magic Online. Interesting. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, that's good to know because I've been really enjoying the playing the drafts on there. Um, just uh, it's it's something that's a little out of my comfort zone. I don't normally do so. I've been enjoying that amen- uh, tremendously. Uh, really, really, really having fun with that. So uh, those are my scoops. One piece of advice I would give sure. to players who want to draft on there is that mm-hmm. you can draft the same deck you want every single time because the formula doesn't change through draft to draft. So force yourself to draft different things as you are drafting against bots who have you know who are programmed. So mm-hmm. otherwise, you can just draft green black every time or blue I've, white every time. I've been playing a lot of blue white, so that's a really yeah. Good <laughs> it's a it's a trap that's easy to fall into because you the, the the deck will be the cards you want will always be open because you're hmm. drafting in spots. So interesting, interesting. All right, cool. Well, that's good to know. I've been like I said, I've been enjoying it, and people who uh, if you can get in the beta, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, all right, well, Spencer, if someone wants to get a hold of you, I know you're on Twitter. Um, where can they find you, man? Where can they get a hold of you to talk to you? Yeah, tweet at me at Spencer Thirteen H. You can find the podcast SCCMTG. You can find uh, me uh, at the Trophy Majors on Twitter. Uh, I I do most of the social media stuff for all of our podcasts. So um, also shout out to Michael who just joined the appearance while we were recording this. So uh, <laughs> you know, shout out to him. Hell yeah, yeah! Thanks for joining us, Michael. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Well, you guys can find me, of course, at Pat Eugle on Twitter. You can find Jerry at JME Three RD. You can find us on Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash Leaving Legacy. Find us on Hipsters of the Coast. Join the Facebook group. You can send dick pics and deck pics. Leaving legacy at hipstertothecoast.com. Spencer, thanks so much for hanging out, man. We appreciate it. And we're going to catch you guys all next week. So uh, I've listened to your podcast before. I don't think I've ever heard you say that. Do you say that every week? Uh, I say it uh, when it, when the moose strikes. When the moose strikes. I've only gotten dick pics from like three people, and it's always been a, in a, like a joking sense. So it's uh, they yeah. post them to the. I'm I'm in that. <laughs> no, no, Facebook to, the, group. to the email. To the email. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not to the Facebook page. I'm like. <laughs>